This is the IDP After Show. Hello and welcome to the IDP After Show. I am one of your co-hosts for the evening, Jake Colagan, and joined as always by the wonderful, the handsome, and the ever-amazing Jeff Boobam. Jeff, how are you tonight, sir? Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. And yourself. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing amazing, man. It's just we just celebrated the fourth of July. Everything's looking up. We're gonna continue some of this best ball craziness we got going on. And you know, in in celebration of that, we're gonna talk a little bit of strategy tonight, right? We got some uh some living on the turn, I think is kind of the the concept here. But you know, with that said, we really want to talk through some of the initial um, strategy and layout that gets us to a certain point in the in a, in a best ball draft for IDP, and you're going to take some wonderful data put together and kind of kind of set this up for us here this evening, right? Sounds like a plan. Before right. we get started, Jake, did you have any JPP incidences with your uh, any fireworks? <laughs> I got all your I, digits. All good. I did not oh. get JPP. Nope, okay, I'm good. counting. Right, count them eleven. Okay, right, I'm good. That's good. Ten. Right. <laughs> Still can count to ten. So oh, wow. yeah. So what we did is we. Um, had some awesome data put together. Um, DJ Keltown put some um, research together from last year's best ball drafts and kind of came up with the determination that the best strategies or some of the winningest strategies were to go heavy with defensive line at the beginning of your draft. So um, with that said, he found out that if you had six defensive linemen, you had a 9.4% chance of winning your league. If you started with five defensive linemen, one linebacker combination, you had a 12.3% chance of winning. And if you started with four defensive linemen, two linebacker combo, you had a 10.9% chance of winning. So with that said, if you started with one of those stacks or combos, you had a one in three chance of winning your best ball leagues. Again, there's a little bit of variance and luck in that with who you're drafting, but um, that's kind of what we're going to look at tonight is kind of eliminating that luck factor, um, not reaching for guys as much and putting yourself in the best position with this great stack. So with that said, we're going to assume that we have started with one of those stacks, heavy defensive linemen in the first six rounds, uh, maybe a linebacker or two in there. And that's why we're going to start with the seventh round tonight. And so at the seventh round is kind of an interesting pivot point for a lot of teams as they're approaching, as they build the rest of their roster in round seven, um, you'll start to see a lot of defensive backs start to fly off the board. And there's some pretty sexy names there. Brisker, Hufunga, Fitzpatrick, you know, these are all names that all of us have ranked highly in our drafts. They're on our weekly start sits. They're in the top 10 perennially. I mean, they're they're just they're guys that we want to have in our rosters. But sometimes in best ball, we find kind of fall into some traps. And some of those traps are um, we get sucked into the big name thing. And I don't know if it's a psychological thing or if it's just just that wanting to have that rolling out that big name every week. But we can kind of set it and forget it. And in best ball, it's a little bit different animal than in your traditional leagues, where in your traditional leagues, you want to have the best starting lineup that you can. But in best ball, we want to kind of have a lineup where it's the deepest talent across. So we can have um, maybe one week this guy goes off, the next week that guy goes off. So we don't have to worry about like having that elite talent at each position. We just want to have the best lineup or the best depth of our lineup we can. Um, the second trap that sometimes we'd fall into as managers is we we kind of look for getting lost or we get um left behind on a run 
And so what will happen is there'll be a run started. We'll, we'll take a guy like a linebacker, and then all of a sudden defensive backs start to fly off the board, and we panic, and we maybe reach for a guy that we should hadn't, shouldn't have done, or what might happen is um, another owner might start a run, and then all of a sudden all the other managers like, oh, we got to go because this is the time to do it. You know, this happens a lot in traditional drafts with tight ends and quarterbacks. You see it a lot of times. Um, one thing with that is we got to be really careful not to um, follow the follow the lead. But if those guys are getting drafted and reach for it, that means a lot of talent is falling to us and a lot of great players are still going to be available. So it's really important that we say, set your your draft, set your lineup and kind of stick to your draft strategy. And especially when you're, we're talking about, you know, if you're on the turn, right, if you're sitting there on a turn and you're like, I got 23 picks before something's coming back to me, like you got to be confident if you're going to be reaching for that player, like it's got to, it's got to make sense and fit. Um, but otherwise, you know, yeah, don't be worried about drafting for roster construction, especially, you know, in best ball, once you've gotten away from that foundation that you've talked about, right? So, you know, again, DJ Caltown laying out some of that great data saying, hey, Here's a baseline that's going to set you up to be successful. Now that you've done that, you know what we're going to do? We're going to find some of that value here later on in some of these other rounds, right? In some of these, we'll call them these mid or core rounds. So, sure. Um, and that's a great setup for this last trap that we sometimes fall into is we we start to fill out our starting roster or starting lineup, and then we panic because oh, I haven't, I don't have a defensive back yet, or I don't have a linebacker yet, and then you feel like you need to fill that position. And we've all been guilty of it. And we just feel compelled to fill that spot. And what we're going to hopefully do tonight is kind of look at um, players that will be available later that will be great assets to your team. And so you don't have to reach in the 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th round, but maybe a guy in the 13th, 14th, or 15th round would score just as many points as that player that you're going to take in the 7th round. So um, basically what we're saying is fade defensive backs. Um <laughs> Every every IDP show, article, newsletter will tell you that, and there's a, a great reason for it. Because of the three positions, defensive linemen, linebackers, and D-backs, defensive backs has the biggest turnover from season to season. And if you look at your league's scorings from year to year, you're not going to see a lot of the same names in the top 12 from one year to the next. I think Buda Baker and Jordan Poyer are probably the two most recent names that have shown up from year to year. And even if you look back at last year or two years ago, excuse me, uh, Trayvon Diggs in 2001, he scored 219 points and he was the defensive back one in big three scoring. And in 2022, he was like DB 56 with 137 points. So, and that's basically on the same amount of snaps. And so he, he didn't have an injury. He didn't miss snaps. He just, you know, he was so reliant on big plays with turnovers and things like that. And that's such a, a difficult thing to replicate from season to season that we, you can't predict that. So um, draft your defensive linemen, draft your linebackers, and then we'll take some late stabs on defensive back. So with that said, whew. <laughs> okay. let's jump into it. Who you got in round seven there, handsome? Round seven, yeah. So round seven, like I said, there's a lot of uh, sexy defensive back names on there, you know, Brisker, Hufanga, Fitzpatrick, which are really, really tempting to take. And maybe in a traditional draft, that's maybe who you'd want to take so that you have your set it and forget it kind of guys. But in, in best ball, we want to have huge upside guys. We want to have we want to have winning week guys. And in that round, I was looking at like maybe Devonta Campbell having a bounce back season for the Packers, um, Khalil Mack having a, a bounce back season. But then I saw my boy Josh Uche, who is currently defensive lineman forty six in ADP 
data, and he's going 84th overall. And according to PFF grades, um, he was the D-lineman 15 last year with the overall ranking of 83.1. He was a defensive line number nine overall with the, the pass rushing with 87.8. And we see a lot of dark greens and blues in PFF. And when you see dark greens and blues, that means he's an elite level player. He's at the top end of his, his uh, positional. So great to see that. He's super uber effective in his pressure rate. Um, he finished second in the league with pass rush productivity, which is a combination of sacks, hits, hurries, and pressures um, relative to how many snaps that he gets. And so he's playing at an elite level, super uber efficient. He's not going to be able to maintain that as he increases his snaps going into this season, but he has shown that given the snaps, he's going to produce and he's going to get to the quarterback. Um, last season, he had 12 sacks on 350 snaps, and that was good for 128 points. Um, just for reference, Nick Bosa, who led the league in sacks last year, he had 19. He did that on 721 snaps for 249 points. Now, I'm not expecting or saying that Uche is going to double his snap total going into um, 2023, but even if he increases his snap count by 50%, you know, we're looking at a, a range of outcomes between 16 and 17 sacks, which is going to be amazing value here in the in the seventh round for your team. And he's going to have some weeks that he's going to maybe lay a clunker every once in a while, but he's going to have some like multi-sack weeks and things like that. So um, I just see that um, increased snaps count for him going forward next year, and he's going to be ultra productive, especially here in the seventh round. So takes us to round eight. Jake, who you got? So moving into round eight, I got a little fellow by the name of Aziz Al-Shair, linebacker, Titans. Uh, we talked about, right, you're going to be very heavy in, in your defensive line setup, um, potentially, you know, taking that foundational round one through six. So getting a guy in Aziz Al-Shair uh, in the eighth round, to me, it's just it's an absolute steal in terms of value. Um, you know, some other names like Caden Ellis and Divine Diablo, really exciting guys there ellis has you know the sack upside that he showed at the end of last year when he got a shot so um you know i understand if people are excited about that but what i love with shair is is it's, it's just the consistency and, and you do you, you know you look across his grades too he's a consistent above average to good level player right like he's he's gonna find a way to whenever healthy be on the field three downs for the titans they primarily run you know a, a dime heavy look or closer to that more so than any other team, I think, except for the Patriots. Uh, you were just talking about with Uche. Um, and so with that said, if you look back at the last two years and uh, any game where he played more more meaningful snaps, so 30 or more snaps, um, and you took that and compiled that up, he would have 1,002 snaps, 134 tackles, two sacks, and three pass breakups. So you're looking at a 13.37% tackle efficiency and a 26.67% pass, pass rush pressure rate. Now, his pass rush opportunities were relatively limited, so it might cap his upside a little bit, but the guy has such a consistent floor when you've already established yourself with some strong pass rush upside um, with those other positions you drafted early on. Um, having this guy just locks into your lineup, essentially someone who's going to be giving you that strong baseline in your LB slot week in, week out. Um, and he has and he has a little bit of upside with him, right? Because he is effective when he does get those pass rush opportunities, uh, getting the pressure on over one out of every four times he's he's in there. Um, and he's got a couple pass breakups on um, and over that span too. So, I mean, and that's that's essentially a full season sample size that you're looking at. So he can clearly deliver, you know, strong numbers for us. That hey, if this is your LB one, LB two, 
you know, right. He's not, he's not gonna be up there with Roquan or Nick Bolton or those types, but that's not the, that's not the strategy or the foundation you look to lay with this, with the strategy. So, um, yeah, for me, Aziz Al-Shair at LB 37, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm gobbling that up all the time. And I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, I could see a possible like late LB one finish for him for the season. Um, camp reports have been amazing for him coming out, taking leadership role, talking guys up, building guys up, you know, that classic, like first one in last one out. That's kind of what we I've been reading about from Tennessee camp and stuff like that. So I love hearing that for all my shares of that I have of him. So just made me feel a warm and bubbly inside Jake. Thanks. <laughs> hey, if I can make Jeff happy, it's been a good night for me. So <laughs> check the box. <laughs> all right. Round nine, who we got? Uh, this was an easy one. Uh, I am the Zach Allen fan club. I am on, I'm driving the train for this guy all year long. Um, currently going off the board. Yeah. Choo choo. He's currently <laughs> going off the board as D lineman 49. Um, so over the course of the year, he's steadily increased. I think at the beginning of our ADP stuff, he was kind of like in the 50, late fifties, but now he's kind of slowly been creeping up. So maybe a few more passengers have been getting on the, the Zach Allen train. Um, he's going right now as 49th DL overall, um, 100th overall, excuse me, D lineman 49. Um, the things that excite me about Zach Allen as much as they, they do is he just signed a three-year deal with Denver, lots of guaranteed money, $45 million, or $45 million deal, 32 and a half guaranteed. And so that's not sideline money. Um, he's actually tied for fourth on the team for uh, salary, annual salary with Justin Simmons behind uh, a couple um, offensive linemen, uh, Bowles and McGlinchey, McGlinchey, and then uh, of course Russ Wilson. But uh, so I think that's that says a lot. So we're going to follow the train, uh, follow the money, and follow the train to him being pretty significant. The other thing that really excites me about Zach Allen this year is Vance Joseph, who was the defensive coordinator in Arizona, who is now the defensive coordinator in Denver, um, brought him along. Um, not only did he bring him along, he actually drafted him and from college. So there's a lot of fam familiarity there. Um, he knows the scheme. He knows the language and things like that. So I expect Zach Allen to like step in and be um, playing a significant role for the, the Denver Broncos this season. Um, looking at last season in 2022, he was the finished the season as D line 38 with 141 points. And that was despite missing four games. And so he was scoring about 11 points a, uh, a game. Again, looking at his PFF scores, lots of ascending scores, lots of, in the beginning of his career, oranges and yellows, and now there are greens and blues. So we see that, again, that just progression as a player, that fourth-year pro is really starting to, like, the game slowing down for him and things like that. So um, the other thing i kind of hoping for with Denver this year is they're playing a little more positive game script where they'll be leading later in games. And this might produce a little more opportunity for um, more sack opportunities and big plays later in the game. Um instead of having games where they're kind of blow, blowouts and the opposing teams are just running against the Broncos at the end to kind of kill the clock, they're going to maybe have to start passing a little bit more. And I think Russell Wilson gets back on track with Peyton in town, and uh, that's just going to provide more opportunities for the defense to make big plays. So I am the, the conductor. I am punching tickets and all aboard so all aboard the zach allen hype train round nine get, so get your tickets here yeah get your tickets from jeff i feel like the guy in the polar express with the <laughs> just punching little tickets and stuff like that so oh uh, i but did not enough expect about zach allen who we could go on all night we got in round 10 for us jake 
I, well, first off, I got to say, I did not expect a Polar Express reference here tonight coming into the show. So, again, we're just checking all the boxes. Well, Hallmark just that. started their Christmas in July stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. So, oh, man. Speaking of early presents, uh, when we're getting into round 10, and uh, I know we talked about already a little bit, you know, hey, fade your DBs, right? But there, there's one for me that when we get to this point in the in a best ball draft that I, I get a little excited about, and I'm definitely willing to uh, – to kind of buck that trend a bit here. Um, and that's Kyle Duggar, you know, safety defensive back for the New England Patriots. When we, we talk about, you know, defensive backs are not not ideal, right? The variance from year to year is high. Um, the, the the small little trick that is pretty, pretty correlative across most uh, positions is the further you get away from the ball, the greater variance there is in your scoring, right? So Okay, well, he's a defensive back. He's playing back. Well, Kyle Duggar really plays almost like a linebacker. Um, if you actually look at his career numbers, he has a career 81.9% sweet spot uh, snap alignment. So that means almost 82% of his snaps are coming either at the defensive line position, inside the box like a linebacker, in the slot, which is still an effective uh, IDP position for us as a defensive back, um, or or otherwise the rest are lined up at a deep safety role. So you're talking almost 1,700 of his 2,000 career snaps are in this, the, this these ideal alignments. So really, we call him a defensive back because that's what he is on paper, but he plays a lot closer to a linebacker than really anything else. So um, with that said, kind of getting that little bit of unlocked, that cheat code, if you will, um, for IDP, He uh, he's just a value there for me at 10. If I can plug in essentially what should play like a linebacker two on a team's defense, but at my defensive back spot, sign me up. Um, and he's also just had a good nose for the ball in his, in his first few years here as well. Seven interceptions, uh, forced fumble, fumble recovery. So he's he, not to say that these are things that we should be relying on, but we at least know he has a pension to go ahead and make some, some of those plays as well, um, along with just a solid tackle floor. Again, being close around the ball consistently, um, play after play. So that said, that's my that's my rant for Kyle Duggar defensive back sooner than you need to. No, I think you make a great case too. I think, like you said, he's he's more linebacker than defensive back, so totally justified um, in that spot. Moving on to round eleven, we're looking at some players. This is where a, a great spot to maybe fill in a linebacker. There's a lot of great linebackers on the board. Um, Kaiser White's there if you want to take a stab at maybe like a Drew Sanders. He might have a like a, a weird, unique hybrid role in that Denver defense. So kind of wait until um, offseason or camp starts up until we get to see a def- definitive role of what he's going to do. But I'm going to take the linebacker. I know that's going to be there, and he's going to score points for me every single week, and that's Nicholas Morrow. Um, he's currently linebacker 55, overall 130. And this is more about um, opportunity than anything else. There's a huge amount of vacated snaps from um, TJ Edwards moving on to Chicago and Kaiser White moving on to the desert in Arizona. And so regardless of the role that Morrow plays, whether he plays the Edwards role or the White role, both of those players finished above Morrow's current draft status right now. Uh, Edwards finished as linebacker four last year and White finished as linebacker 44. So regardless of which he lines up in, um, I know we all have this fascination and love for Nicobe Dean, and but he's kind of a wild card. We don't know exactly what his role is going to be. He only played like less than 50 snaps last year. So um, the hype is there. The talent is there. The draft capital is there. 
Um, but we've all seen guys that have had higher draft capital and opportunity and kind of fizzled out. Um, but we know with Morrow what we're going to get. He's a, a very consistent player. He doesn't miss uh, a single snap. He played all snap, every single snap for the Chicago Bears last season, and he amassed 116 tackles. So if I can get that kind of production in round 11, where I know that I've already filled my defensive lineman in my first previous 10 rounds, I've got Kyle Duggar, who I just took in round 10, so I know I've got my my DB1 locked down. This is a, a great spot for Morrow to be taken because – He's just gonna he's just gonna produce every single week. There's no like downside to this this pick right here. So the other thing is that that uh, Philly or Georgia Bulldog off defensive line, whatever you want to call them. Now they're gonna keep these linebackers super clean. Um, the offensive line is gonna be so worried about where that pass rush is coming from that these linebackers are just gonna to be able to eat. Whether that's blitzing or picking up uh, running backs or they're just going to be super clean. And uh, I just think that that's provides great opportunity for very high floors every week. And uh, there's no downside to this pick at 11. So. No, yeah. I, I'm a big moral fan for, from the standpoint of just that stability, right? Like, like you said, 116 tackles and you played every snap. So, you know, if you're breaking them down efficiency wise, he's not going to be some darling in that, in that standpoint, but he's a guy who always finds a way to be on the field and, you know, that's that's a, a, a huge value at round 11 to find a guy who can be a little stat collector for us, just piling up those tackles and uh, really giving you some solid depth and, and consistency at that position that, you know, in best ball, you know, we always want to shoot for upside as much as we can. But with that said, it, it's nice to know that we got some uh, consistency locked into our lineup too as well. So speaking of uh, consistency though, uh, and, and, you know, just eating up those snaps, uh, round 12 here, I was looking at a fellow by the name of JTS, the one Joe Tryon Shoyinka. Um, some other names in this area, you know, I looked at like Justin Simmons, Jermaine Johnson, um, you know, even another defensive back. I'm a big fan of in Richie Grant. But um, when you look at a defensive lineman who last year played nearly 800 snaps uh, from the edge, edge position, that alone is a strong floor for any consideration for IDP. Um, you know, playing 884 snaps last year, 17th most in the NFL. Um, obviously not Mad Max playing something crazy like 1,200 snaps or whatever, 1,100 snaps, whatever he did. Um, but this is still, that that's a high level of, of uh, opportunity that you just really don't get to see very often from an edge position. Um, you know, fairly uh, average to above average analytic when you look at his pass rush pressure rate just about 11 percent so you know one out of every time one out of every 10 pass rushes he's getting back there creating a pressure um you know pressures a little light overall um at 48 you know so he would you at that rate on average you'd see him about seven ish sacks on the year and he came in a little lighter at five so left a little bit of meat on the bones as well there um, and then 36 tackles total. So it's, it's a guy who he's got, he's going to give you something every week just based on sheer volume. And, and what happened this offseason is, yep, um, they did draft Kalijah Kansi, but he's another person that I don't think is going to be eating up a lot of edge snaps uh, and taking that away from Tryon Trianka. Uh, Kansi played primarily on the inside uh, as an interior defender in his time at Pittsburgh and showed some ability as an edge rusher, and they might try him out there, but. He's got, I think he measures a little bit shorter arms, so I just don't see them uh, finding a way to push him out onto the edge so much more. And he always won with speed on the inside anyways. But all that to say, that with the progress year over year for JTS, 
at, at round 12, I give me a guy who's going to take another 850, 900 snaps out there. Because again, even if he just falls into the average bucket and doesn't really create an outlier season, you're talking about a guy who's going to give you seven to eight sacks um, with a solid, you know, little tackle boost on top of that. So, and and this is a, a player too that's still really learning the position because mm-hmm. he was he came out of Washington and he was just kind of learning the position. They, they he took the COVID year, got him and stuff like that. So you know he's he's still really this is kind of his second year. So last year he was really still kind of learning the position, learning the NFL scheme and stuff like that. So I'm totally on board with this one too. Cause I just, you know, that, that next step and you reference Crosby, which is kind of interesting because Crosby, you're going to have to invest your first round pick, right. probably the number one overall in a yeah. best ball. And here Top you're three, getting yeah. a guy with that 12 rounds, 144 picks later, you know? So, you know, this is a, a great stab. So good call. Well, I mean, it was it was from me, so of course it's going to be good, right? Like, right, 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 right. <laughs> Humility here in round twelve. Right. Well, I'm going to try just to take a little shine off your off your luster here. Um, so round thirteen, this is kind of where we want to start looking at maybe taking a, a, a another stab at a defensive back, and there's some really solid ones still on the board. Looking at guys like Jamal Adams, maybe scary away because of the injury. Jordan Poyer. A little bit older, uh, Grant Delpit, maybe one or two extra um, defensive backs. Not sure how that's going to play out, but a guy that's available here, which is a shock, is uh, Cameron Curl. He is currently defensive back twenty. He's the hundred forty eighth player being taken off the board, which is kind of appalling, really. Um, this guy has done nothing but shine in his four years. Um, he's looking for a huge payday. Um, you know, Riverboat Ron loves him. He, uh, Riverboat Ron loves keeping homegrown players, guys that they draft, they want to keep them in. So he's showing up at OTAs regardless of his contract deal. Jack Del Rio's calling him a, a leader on the defense. Um, and that really showed up last season in 2022. He missed six games. He missed the first two weeks with a, a thumb injury. And then he missed like the last four games with an ankle injury. And there was a noticeable difference in the schemes and the, the coverages that they were able to run with and without curl. They only won two of those games that was without curl. Um, one was like week one versus Jacksonville. And it was the last game of the season versus Dallas. And um, that last week, did Dallas really have anything to play for? Not really sure. You know, so it's kind of one of those things like, so clearly he's a difference maker when he's on the field. Uh, PFF has him graded out as defensive back number five overall at 82.9, which is outstanding for uh, a, se- a former seventh round draft pick. Despite missing all of those games last year, he was still a top 30 tackler at the defensive back position. So he played two thirds of the season and was still a top 30 at the position. And here we can get him, you know, in the in the middle of the 13th round so uh, looking forward to the commander's defensive season they lost cole holcomb they did add cody barton but uh, i love cody barton as much as the next guy but he's he's just kind of a guy whereas um losing holcomb is kind of a, a big loss to them um jamin davis is everyone's hopeful replacement you know former number one pick out of kentucky so you know, but until they know for sure what they got, we know what we have in Curl. There could be a lot of opportunity for him for to play uh, close to the line. Last season, he played 368 of his 727 snaps um, on the line. That's more than 50% box snaps. And you alluded to it earlier, Jake, when you said you want guys closest to the ball make the most plays, and the further you will get away, 
the less chance you have to make tackles and plays and things like that. And here we see a guy that's uh, a defensive back like Duggar basically playing linebacker. And I could see that totally happening this year where he's kind of like that third linebacker where they're kind of sneaking him down in the box, though. Um, and rumor has it that uh, Cameron Curl is actually a highly ranked defensive back by a very well-known IDP analyst. So um, I just want to throw that little nugget out there. So hashtag spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, you, I don't think you could do justice to the love I have for Cameron curl, but you did a really darn good job uh, and you nailed all the stuff for it. Um, yeah. If you, if you want to hear more about Cameron curl and my thoughts on him, definitely check out the top 24 dynasty uh, DBs that Evan and I will be working on next week. Uh, and I can dive further into my love there, but yeah, I mean, round thirteen. This is a, this is a steal, man. Like a travesty, a travesty. I, I, yeah. I mean, like I said, taking Duggar in the tenth round, I was like, I was like, I feel, I feel good about this. I like this, but yeah, curl here. That's just an even greater steal. So no, nice, nice, nice work there. Nice, nice roundup for him. Uh, so yeah, then wrapping us up here, uh, the last round we're gonna look at is fourteen, uh, and the last guy we're gonna take. Um, we're going to go back to that defensive line. Well, because again, you know, I think Jeff nailed it perfectly in the beginning. You know, it's not about just filling out roster spots and, and having balance, right? Um, defensive line is one of the more predictive spots. It's where we have some of the biggest upside swings we can take on players. Um, you know, and I was actually looking at a defensive lineman in Ar Arnold Ebiketti here. Um, maybe some more linebacker depth with LB2 in Las Vegas and Robert Spillane. Um, but for me, this came down to uh, Randy Gregory, uh, defensive line for the Broncos. So, you know, a little bit of double dip in here. We got double Patriots. We got double Broncos. Uh, but you know what? These guys just have have some legitimate value for us here. And Randy Gregory is someone that uh, I was really excited to see what he's going to do with Denver last year. And if you look in the first four games that he put together, um, it was off to a phenomenal start. He had, uh, what was it, uh, 19 pressures, two sacks. Um, I think seven or no, eight tackles and his pressure rate was close to uh, 25% through those first four games. Uh, he was playing, you know, 40 plus snaps a game. Everything was looking great for his IDP production. He was, looked like he was set up to have a very strong season, double digit sacks, uh, decent tackle floor. Yeah. Or just everything we would hope for in there. But then it was cut short with a knee injury. Um, he came back in late in this season, played weeks 15, 16, uh, barely played a, comp a full complement of snaps between both games combined. Um, only managed one pressure, a couple of tackles. Um, so you, you could clearly see that he was slowed down and not really 100% from that knee injury. Um, it was not a complete ACL tear, uh, but it was enough to, to give him pause in terms of his confidence out there on the field. He just was not the same person. Um, but with the injury being as early as it was in the season, when he was able to have surgery, he was still able to get back out on the field and play. I'm confident that we see him return, you know, to that form that we saw at the beginning of the year. Um, ACL injuries for defensive linemen are, are definitely not some sort of, you know, death kneel where it's like, okay, he's done or he's not going to be the same person he ever was. Um, they can they can very easily get back to to a high level of production. It really, I think, comes down to the mental aspect of that. Like, I'm confident to be out here and, and put that weight and pressure on my knee and go. Um, and getting some games last year, I think you'll have that. And, again, finding him here in the 14th round to – to round out some of that upside for us uh, in that defensive line spot, I'm 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 got quite a fair amount of Randy Gregory. I'm pretty sure in a lot of my best ball lineups. So, um. and I think one thing, Jake, too, that you kind of mentioned was like we double dipped a lot with 
guys on the same team. And I think in best ball, you can kind of get away with that more so than in a traditional regular yep. season league, just because, you know, like, you know, like this is a great example. We got Zach Allen on one side, Randy Gregory on the, on the other, you know, we have a, a Zach Allen week. He goes off. He's in our starting lineup the next week, you know, teams kind of focus on stopping Zach Allen a little bit more. Maybe they have a, a, a guard help chip or a, a linebacker or a tight end help chip. And all of a sudden now it's a Randy Gregory week, you know, and we're still benefiting. Our team is still doing well, you know? Yep. It, so I think that it, best ball is a little bit different in how you can do your roster builds. And I think you can get away with almost like a stack of <laughs> talent this way. So no, yeah. I, I kind of like that. Especially when you're this late in the draft, right? And you and you've oh, already yeah. got that foundation in place. So awesome. Well, any any last final thoughts, Jeff, on on what we went through here this evening? No, I think that uh, taking DJ Keltown's um, data and all the work that he put into this, like built, looking at the success rate of teams, having that foundation of a solid defensive line at the beginning. The, the talent pool dries up so quickly with defensive linemen and linebackers by the middle of the sixth, seventh round. You know, there's a couple diamonds in the rough like we found here during our little experiment, but defensive backs are just so prevalent even later in the draft. We got Cameron Curl in the 13th round, and he he's legit top five upside, like without a doubt, you know, and I think just to find guys like that. Will Cameron Curl probably be a little more um, – probably self-corrected by the time season rolls. Absolutely. But if you're, t if you're in best ball drafts right now, take advantage of that. Just keep hammering those, those values and, you know, get on the, the IDP show um, ADP list and kind of check out that data. And th that's a great resource and tool of kind of find those hidden gems as you go into these drafts and things like that. So, right. Well, exactly. Right. So, you know, we have the best ball mania going on right now. I think there's still a dozen, maybe 15 spots left in that. So it's 144 team uh, best ball tournament that's going on. $5 buy-in is it, but you're talking about a $500 first place finish. Um, I think they're doing, you know, best league or best division as well, scoring. You know, you can win 20 bucks there. But yeah, all this data that we're referencing is available through the draft kit, through the ADP um, that we have for best balls. But you get so much more than that. You know, we, you and me both just redid some write-ups, you know, because, hey, things change during the off season. So we wrote some new blurbs um, about some new people that are kind of shining or maybe fading. Uh, there's our rookie rankings that we have out there. Again, I'm just going to keep talking about the things we do because we're awesome. Uh, but, but, you know, Josh, Josh has got redraft rankings out there. Adam's got his dynasty rankings. Uh, Jace, uh, Evan, others have put together whole divisional previews of, of IDP assets. Um, I'm sure I'm missing something. What else do we got here, Jeff? Keep me on. I love anything. doing the roster evals. You and I both love doing yes. roster evals with people. So that's just amazing talking football, looking at teams, especially now as like draft season's rolling around. A lot of teams are getting set for this, um, their teams or their league's draft. And like, hey, let's look at possible draft strategy or possible trade things. Like sign yep. us up. Like we love doing that stuff. So. It is. It's cool, right? Because I've done I've done ones where it's like we just talk trades. I've done one where they're like, I only want to talk about rookies and 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 you as the as the subscriber right like you know you're you're paying for the for the premium idp show membership you tell us what you want to talk about and we'll and we'll walk through your roster um we go through it live firsthand with you I've, I've even done a recorded one right where the person's like i just don't have time it's like send me your roster yep. I'll, I'll talk through it and, and give you all the thoughts i can right like we just want everyone to have fun we want to talk ball chop it up it's, it's a great time so yeah i think five bucks a month 50 bucks for the year check it out um if you haven't already 
uh, get in there, get into the best ball mania. If by the time you're listening to this, there's any spots left, if you're not already in it. Um, otherwise, yeah, uh, you got to keep playing I, best IDP best ball with us. And until then, you know, thank you for tuning in tonight for, for Jeff, for Jake here at the IDP after show. Have a great evening. This was the IDP after show. <laughs>